you know, one of my most commented comment or email that I get is a question that I have is when was Brian Koberger a suspect? And when I tell people December 19th, I get told, no, it was November 25th or November 29th, all these different things, you know, a week after the incident, right away the next day. Well, today I want to go into why I think it was December 19th. Uh, let's start off with what the probable cause affidavit states. So on here, it says on November 25th, 2022, NPD asked area law enforcement agencies to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra in the area, November 29th at approximately 1228 a.m. Washington State University Police Officer Daniel Tingle queried the white Elantras registered at WSU. As a result of that query, he located a 2015 white Elantra. The vehicle was registered to Brian Koberger. The same day at approximately 1258, WSU officer Curtis Whitman was looking for the white Hyundai Elantra and located a 2015 Elantra at Koberger's apartment complex. Officer Whitman also ran the car and it returned to Koberger with a Washington tag. I reviewed Koberger's Washington State driver's license, information, and photograph. But I think where the big confusion is, is right here. I think folks are getting confused with the fact that the information that the WSU officer found, Officer Whitman, went directly to, to the investigating officer, D Detective Payne. When you do an investigation, you start off investigating, you know, the close ties, right? You go with the ex-boyfriend, family members, roommates, and then continue to broaden out further and further. So November 29th, that's only a couple of weeks after the murders. I think that they were, they had a bunch of tips and a lot of things going on to say, hey, stop the presses, stop everything. We have a tip here from a WSU police officer who also, who's to say that that information got to to even Moscow Police Department that day or that week. Two different departments, the report or the supplement or whatever it is that Officer Whitman would have to do would have to go up his chain of command and then get sent over. So there's probably a few days, if not more, just in the information getting from one department to the next. And then you also have to wonder how long did it take if they ever did find it, tip so to speak, that there was a White Elantra 2015 Brian Koberger's at WSU. Think about the Richard Allen case. Now, he went and talked to a conservation officer back in 2017 and said that he was on the bridge, yet he wasn't a prime suspect until here recently. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that police didn't know who Koberger was. I don't think they did, not at that point anyways, but is there a possibility they were aware of who he was? Maybe it's possible, but I, I don't think so. We'll continue. How do I know that they were investigating a lot of other people? Well, the defense says it. This is in the uh, defense's paperwork. It states, while this was ongoing, police were investigating many various possible suspects. Many of them provided DNA. At least one had DNA serpentitiously taken from a discarded cigarette. Many also had their phones taken and downloaded. So when the defense says that they were just focusing in on Brian Koberger, they were just looking at him. He was the only suspect. The defense's own words don't jive with that. But what, we, what do we know when it came to this case? That there was a genealogy genetic tree workup that was developed. And then that information is what led to Brian Koberger. Look at the state's information right here. It says, moreover, as the DOJ policy on IgG explains, the FBI can only use the IgG after the investigating agency has pursued reasonable investigative leads to solve the case and the perpetrator's identity remains unknown. So that means that they didn't start doing this until after they investigated the other individuals, cleared who they were, and, and move to the next step. Also, they couldn't use the genetic tree technology stuff from the FBI until there was no suspect, right? So this here says that they could not do it unless they exhausted all leads. So they didn't have anybody as a suspect when they finally turned in the DNA profile over to the FBI for them to finish doing their genetic tree. But let's get into why December 19th. And in this New York Times article, they referenced the genetic tree 
information came back with the name Brian Koberger on the morning of December 19th. It says right here, by the morning of December 19th, records show investigators had a name, Brian Koberger. Now, this article is referencing the genetic tree and when they came up with his name. So what do we know? We know that there was other people that uh, law enforcement was investigating. They even secretly taken a cigarette bud from an individual and it came back to not being a suspect. We know that based on the state's paperwork, the FBI cannot up an IgG genetic tree until, until all law enforcement techniques have been exhausted. Meaning when they started that process, they had zero suspects anymore. But what else do we know? December 23rd, 2022, I applied for and was granted a search warrant for historical phone records between November 12th at 12 a.m. and November 14th at 12 a.m. for the 8458 phone. So that information, his historic, historical locations from his phone wasn't done until the 23rd. The information that they used to get that warrant was basically his uh, his knowledge in criminal justice and knowing law enforcement procedures and knowing that he would have basically turned off his phone during the commission of the crime. They also looked up in a Reddit account that he had done a survey inquiring about you know, feelings and thoughts during the commission of the crime. And part of his essay, which referred to helping rural area officers, uh, he wanted to help rural officers better collect and analyze technological data. That was all they used. And I'm sure they added his description and his vehicle. Description, which Dylan Mortensen, which didn't exclude Koberger, didn't basically say it was him, but it didn't exclude him. And then they also had that he had a vehicle that was matching the description of the vehicle that was seen on camera. Now, all of those things could have been found out and would have been known November 29th had the information gotten there November 29th. So why wait till December 23rd to pull that warrant and go forward with it? Unless you didn't know he was a suspect. So December 19th, he's a suspect. In my opinion, police go to his apartment complex, try to locate him. Guess what? He's not there. Why? He's in the Poconos. Now, we know from a Howard Bloom article that there was some indication that Chief Fry had thought that the white Elantra in Eugene, Oregon, which was found crashed on December 19th, was Brian Koberger's. If they were watching Koberger and they had eyes on him, they would have known that December 19th he was in the Poconos and not anywhere near Eugene, Oregon. Also, there's a couple of traffic stops that occur during Brian Koberger's trip with his father to the Poconos of Pennsylvania. Now, let's take a look at that Indiana stop real quick. So as you can see, the officer is going to approach the white Elantra and put his arm on the bottom of the passenger door window frame. He has his arm rested inside the vehicle. You can, in that moment, you can kind of see his right hand is also in the vehicle. If this was a stop to determine if this was a quadruple homicide suspect, no officer is going to go in there with their arms inside of the vehicle. That is a huge officer safety incident. Now, let's just say that the FBI did call Indiana State Police or the police department or whoever and said, hey, can you get eyes on this vehicle? We think that this person could be involved in a homicide. That officer is going to go up to that vehicle well prepared just in case anything happens, because although the officer knows that they're pulling over somebody who is going to get a warning for tailgating, that person operating the vehicle, in this case, Brian Koberger, doesn't know that they're pulling him over for that. If he did commit this crime and he's leaving the area, going back home, and he sees lights in his rearview mirror, initially, what do you think he's first going to think it is? That it's possibly referencing the quadruple homicide, not really referencing the tailgating. I don't think that this officer had any idea that Brian Koberger was a suspect in a quadruple homicide on December 15th, 2022, when this traffic stop was conducted. You guys let me know in the comment section, do you guys think that this officer, based on his demeanor with his hands, both of his hands, nowhere near his weapon, are inside the vehicle of a possible quadruple homicide suspect? Does this look like this officer is well aware? Let me know in the comment section, but let's continue. So then people ask me, well, what about the warrants? The Amazon warrant, 
all these different warrants that were sealed that were conducted before December 19th. The New York Times article answers that. It says a request to Amazon sought the order history of account holders who purchased such knives following follow-up requests for eBay focused on series of specific users seeking their purchase histories. Some had connections to the area, including one in Idaho and two in Washington state, while others were from far away, including an account in Japan. Because of redactions, it is unclear if Koberger's name came up in those records. So basically what they're saying is that they went and tried to find anybody who purchased a K-Bar knife, whether it was through Amazon, eBay. Uh, they also talk about Walmart here as well. And they're not specifically looking for one person's purchase. They're looking for a broad set of names of persons who may have purchased the K-Bar knife or who had purchased the K-Bar knife. So it wasn't a specific Amazon warrant inquiry on Brian Koberger. If they had his name earlier, they wouldn't need to do an IgG workup. All they would have needed to do was basically go and get Brian Koberger's trash and test it directly to the sheath DNA that they had for a match. In fact, that's what they tried to do on December 27th. There's nothing there that says that the police can't go and find abandoned or discarded property and test it for DNA. I mean, it happened to Rex Humerman in the Long Island serial killer case. And according to the defense, the police department had at least done this with somebody else when they picked up a cigarette bud secretly. So it's not something that is uncommon. So why wait till December 27th to do that? Unless you didn't know he was a suspect and you couldn't find him. Police knew where he was at fairly quickly. The probable cause affidavit states that they did an inquiry and basically his vehicle passed a license plate reader in Colorado. And they also found out about the traffic stops in Indiana, which ended up leading to them knowing where he was going. Uh, by searching up his parents. They knew he was going to Albright, Pennsylvania. Now, what is the first thing that they need to do? They need to pick up trash and test it towards his DNA. Now, I get it. Some people will say, no, Daniel, they picked up the father's DNA, so that way they can match it somehow uh, to Brian Koberger, but they had it way earlier before Brian Koberger got there. And I don't think that's the case. The reason being is if I was an investigator and let's just say uh, there's a crime that's being committed and I suspect a certain person, I go and watch this certain person. Let's just say that person is at home. And every time that person leaves the house, they put on gloves and a whole nine yards. I can't find trash. I can't do any of those things. The next step, in my opinion, would be to go pull the trash of the parents, get a familial DNA match. And that would be enough to go get a warrant for your suspect to test their DNA to whatever DNA uh, sample that you have. That would be the next step in the process. That would be the best way to build a case against a certain person, in my opinion. And so this is exactly kind of what they did. They went, they found out where he was at. They tried to pull his trash, ended up, couldn't find any trash that was matched back to him, but they ended up finding DNA that basically states that the person whose DNA was on the item that they uh, discarded was a match as being the father of the person who left the DNA on the sheath, which equals to Brian Koberger. So in conclusion, I seriously suspect that Brian Koberger was not a prime suspect until December 19th. And at that point, that's when the ball started rolling. You know, had they gotten Brian Koberger's name on November 29th or had Sergeant Payne gotten Brian Koberger's name November 29th, I think his capture would have been a lot quicker. But the fact is that they didn't know who he was. And this is the final article to prove that. This is the New York Times article, Idaho Student Murders. And this is something that was just released about a couple months ago, much sooner than the one that I read earlier. And it says, later, as they begin to search for the car scene and the video footage, the police in nearby Washington State University found a white Elantra registered there, identifying the owner as Mr. Koberger. 
but Mr. Koberger did not become a point of focus until weeks later. The DNA from the knife sheath had not matched with anyone in law enforcement databases, so investigators sent it out for further analysis. This eventually produced a more extensive profile that enabled the use of genetic genealogy through consumer DNA samples to build a family tree. By December 19th, FBI agents had begun focusing on Brian Koberger. So again, December 19th keeps coming up. I don't think it's a coincidence, y'all. I think that's the day that Brian Coburn became prime suspect number one. And between December 19th and December 29th, the 30th, when he got arrested, didn't take much time to put up a case against him and arrest him. So in my opinion, when you see how quickly they were able to move and build a case against Brian Coburn, that tells me there's probably a lot more evidence that we're not aware of. And based on everything that we are aware of, I already think that the weight of the world is pretty much stacked against Mr. Koberger at this point. I don't think he's going to be victorious when it comes down to court, but we'll find out. Only time will tell. We'll be back later on tonight, y'all, with a live broadcast. We'll be taking y'all's questions. We'll be answering questions, things of that nature. We'll get a little bit more interactive. And make sure you subscribe if you're not subscribed and ring that notification bell. That way you're notified when we go live tonight and all of our other great content. With that being said, I'm out of here. Till tonight. Peace.